Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, a show we get comics, pop culture, and sports, and it is sports time, as we are talking a little hockey on this podcast, as it was trade deadline day earlier this morning or this afternoon, so we got a few uh, new trades to talk about, and you know if I'm talking about hockey, I'm talking to my buddy Craig Needles. How the heck are you, Craig? Doing good. It's uh, a busy day. Yeah, it was, and you know, but much more active than usual. I mean, as per usual with the NHL trade deadline, the super big trades happen a couple weeks, couple days before the actual deadline. But uh, and then uh, you know, a, a better deadline than than usual this year. I would I would say in terms of uh, yeah. some of the names being bounced around. Yeah, we didn't get that one like random out of nowhere surprise trade with names that are not like you know, really, um, really on the radar. Like we got it last year with Anthony Mantha and Jakob Vrana going for each other. That, that yes. nothing like that happened here. Um, but we got a couple of things that's like, I, I think that a lot of people thought Arturi Lekkonen was going to stay and we'll get to that for Colorado. But, uh, there was a few little ones, but no, uh, no big shockers this year, which was too bad, but it's what it is. So to properly start, uh, this trade deadline, Timeline. I think we need to go all the way back to Valentine's Day there, Craig. Uh, when the Calgary Flames got Tyler Toffoli from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Pitlick and a bunch of draft picks. And uh, ever since then, it uh, you know the Flames are the best team in the West, and I don't think uh, anybody's going to beat them, and they're going to win the Stanley Cup Finals, according to a lot of the coverage up here. What say you on the Tyler Toffoli trade, Craig? I think it's entirely possible the Flames win the West. Yeah, I think so. But also not. Like they're, they're 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 really good. Like they, yeah. it's, they're like they their money puck has them first in expected goals. Uh, they're good, obviously defensively. They've got some guys that can put the puck in the net. That was the one thing they were missing. Was you know they probably needed one more guy who could shoot. They went out and get to Foley. He can shoot. Like uh, they go get Kelly Yarncroft, which is going to make them deeper at forward. Like like I, I will say this. Um. I think that Colorado on paper is the best team, but for me, there isn't a lot of difference between those two teams. As far as if they are going to play in a seven game series, I don't think it'd be far from 50, 50 in my mind. Like we're talking 55, 45 Colorado, if they were to play. Well, the last two games that they've played uh, would, would indicate pretty much the same thing as, as both of those games, according to the money puck and the uh, deserve to win meter uh, they were both virtual coin flips. There, it was like one was like 55 Colorado, and the other one was like 52 Calgary or something like that. And uh, the one Calgary one was like a four-three in overtime and regular season overtime. I don't, I don't even know what to. No, to once make. once the game gets overtime, it's it becomes a, a skills competition. It doesn't, you can't. There's no, there's no real takeaways from it as far as which yeah. of the two teams better. It's just randomness. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see with the Flames. And, uh, I, I mean, the Tyler Toffoli trade was obviously very good. They, yeah, and, and they added uh, Kelly Yarncroft they earlier. They get three years of Toffoli is the yes. is, is key thing with that trade and giving it over first. You get, you get three years of the player, which is significant. So, almost a week after the Flames trade for Tyler Toffoli, uh, your boys get in on the uh, on the action a little bit there as they move Nick Ritchie uh, to Arizona in exchange for Ryan Dezingle and Ilya Labushkin, who's been giving you some good minutes on the back end there. Yeah, Labushkin's been good. He's, he's been nice. And uh, people were all over what happened with the, with the Ritchie thing. Oh, that was a big mistake. They got out of that mistake almost for free. 
because adding Labushkin for a third, and it might let's let's say maybe it, it, it's a third or a second right now, but let's just say hypothetically it's a third. Adding Labushkin for a third, that's fine. It's a nice little deal. So you factor that in with you got rid of Richie's money for next year. That's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good exchange. So I don't think it was an expensive mistake by Dubas at all. I think it was. You try some things, and some stuff works out, some stuff doesn't. Michael Bunting's working out pretty well. Other stuff doesn't work out. And uh, Kyle Dubas, in the news conference about the Richie trade, actually said the following. It's the way she goes. Sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't. And when you know, when you got a general manager quoting Ray from Trailer Park Boys, you know things have gone okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. My goodness. I couldn't uh, believe it when I heard him say that. I'm like, he just quoted Trailer Park Boys at a news <laughs> conference about a trade. It was Yeah, that's well the hockey guys are they're 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 simple creatures sometimes, you know, Craig. Well, here's uh, the thing. And, and hockey guys have a certain vintage. Kyle Dubas was born in nineteen eighty six. Like that is the wheelhouse <laughs> for a hockey guy that us, yeah. Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, fair yeah. That's true. Uh yeah, so that, that uh, happened on the 19th uh, when the Leafs got Labushkin. And then, you know, quiet for about a couple of weeks, close to a month, I would say. It's quiet for a couple of minor deals here and there. Uh, not much to really talk about. Uh, your boys added the Hutton for goalie depth. And, uh, and, uh, Which I'm a that that was because Arizona took on that, uh, that Richie money. I don't believe that because Hutton's on a one-way salary. I'm of the belief that Arizona and the Leafs made that deal the next day after Hutton cleared waivers, basically like, okay, we're gonna pay this guy's salary to pay for your to play for your AHL team, and that was kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing with them taking on the Richie money. Yeah, I, I think so too. So, uh, which you know, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment has lots of money. You know, they 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 can do that. Because uh, that doesn't count on the NHL capital. And uh, the people that own the Arizona Coyotes are uh, probably hurting for cash a little bit these days when it comes to hockey operations. So they were probably glad to get off of uh, the 300-ish thousand dollars they did. Did they actually? Are they actually struggling? Has anybody reported this? Did... It's just <laughs> yeah. breaking news. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, their arena situation next year is somewhat in flux. Yeah, good lord, going to be playing in front of Arizona State, uh, Arizona State crowd. Although that has the potential to be something, because Arizona State, one of the more well-renowned party schools, I believe. So if the students are able to kind of get in there and make this a thing, it, it depends on what they're charging tickets. Yeah, that's another very, very, very true, right? Like, if they just had, like, a beer pong night, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. But I say yeah, I say have a beer pong night. <laughs> so, about a month later, we're in the middle of March now. We're about a week away from the trade deadline, March 14th. So, yeah, it's, it's the Monday before the trade deadline. Uh, my boys get in on the, uh, get in on the action there as... Uh, the Avalanche trade, Drew Hellison, a pretty good defensive prospect, and a second-rounder for Josh Manson uh, to get a little thicker around the back end there, I would say, as far as... Uh, and, and Manson, so far, has only played one game as a member of the Avalanche. Or is it two? It's one or two. He's played as a member of the Colorado Islanders. And I, I just... I gotta say, he is great at just getting the puck on a stick and getting it the hell out of the zone. Like that, which which was something the Avs have been doing that is, 
a little bit of an irritant if you've been watching the Avalanche every you know night in night out like I have, where they just they dance around a little in their own end, and it's led to many a turnover and many a goal against that was, in my opinion, wildly unavoidable or wildly avoidable, I should say. And that just isn't happening with Josh Manson. And for uh, Anaheim's sake, they get they get a, a Drew Hellison who looks like he's going to be a nice little piece. What did you think of this, Craig? Uh, I think that it was it was a sensible deal for both teams. So mm. you get the second for for Manson. They they may have wanted a first fine. Drew Hellison is in the NCAA, obviously. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Drew Hellison. I'm thinking to myself, I can be a free agent in the summer of 2023. And I'm looking at the Avalanche blue line and thinking to myself. Yeah, this is the crux. Speak on it, Craig. This is the crux of the matter for trading Hellison. Speak on it here. It's going to be a little bit before I might be one of the six guys they're playing there. Whereas you look over at the Ducks and you know that you're, well, you've been traded for Josh Manson, so he's gone. Hampus Lindholm was probably going to go too, and you're thinking to yourself, hey, wait, well, maybe I'll actually sign with this team. So the Avalanche were trading, I'm not going to say a distressed asset, but they were trading a player that may not have stuck with that franchise long term. And they've lost guys to free agency in that manner before. Uh, Will Butcher comes to mind, uh, which didn't exactly work out at the end of the world, but at the time it looked like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't going to be great. Uh, so there must be thinking to themselves, well, there's a chance that if we don't trade this player now, we're not going to have anything to show for a, re- a pretty decent draft pick here. So putting him in the Manson deal and avoiding giving up your 2023 first, Colorado didn't have one in 2022, the Coyotes already own it. Uh, that's a nice little deal. That's, that's, that's a good piece of business, I thought. So uh, I think that this deal easily goes into the books is one of those ones that's a win for both teams no matter what happens with manson or, or, or colorado's playoff run it was the right call for both teams yeah it's it's definitely and i i think manson's one of those guys who's going to do the little things when the playoff starts on the back end and and you already mentioned it there's i don't conceivably see a way that drew hellison was going to crack this lineup in the next two years before he becomes a college free agent and so the avalanche would have Lost him anyway, and if you're Anaheim, he'll probably be playing for you. I mean, if you're not going to bring him up for the tail end of this year, yeah, he'll definitely be in your lineup next year. And yeah, so an, an incredibly sensible well, deal for for both franchises. Here's here's something that happened today, and, and you may mention both these deals, and we'll just talk about them now because they they all make sense. So Arizona eats Brian Little's contract to get Nathan Smith, and they trade that second rounder. That they got from Vancouver in the Ekman Larson thing to Minnesota to get Jack McBain. These guys are both guys that the clock was ticking towards college free agency. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, if they weren't willing to sign with Winnipeg or Minnesota, why are they willing to sign with Arizona? Let me tell you, uh, those guys will likely get into NHL games in the next month. Whereas if they had signed with the teams that they're currently on, that wasn't going to happen. So Winnipeg and Arizona both had guys they weren't going to be able to keep. And they turned them, or Winnipeg and Minnesota rather, had guys they weren't going to be able to keep. And they turned them into something. They turned them into an asset because the Coyotes were saying to these guys' agents, hey, yeah, if he comes here, like, he'll be playing NHL games in the next few days. And the Ducks could be, I suspect are, saying the exact same thing to Drew Hellison's people, which is, yeah, hey, you don't need to worry about becoming a college free agent in 2023. Sign with us now, and we'll just give you paychecks immediately. How does that sound? And you can get into the NHL 
like you said, perhaps as soon as this year. So we'll see what they do. Uh, but again, it was a sensible move for both teams. The the teams that are you know rebuilding, they have an advantage when it comes to those college guys that have the have the clock ticking towards free agency. Yeah, also, pretty, I do find it yeah, strange. Pretty. I do find it very strange, by the way, that the NHL CBA lets you go the four years and then you're a free agent with these college guys. Whereas the CHL guys, it's two years, then you're back in the draft, then it's another two years. I understand it's the same time frame. It just seems weird that that's the way it's done, but I don't know. The NHL CBA is weird sometimes. Yeah, very weird. So the day after that, the Avalanche uh, make a little sideways move there where they move out uh, former first-round pink 10th overall Tyson Jost uh, to the wild, the rare divisional trade and not only divisional trade but divisional trade for two teams that are going to be going to be playing in the uh stanley cup playoffs and could potentially be playing against each other in the stanley cup uh playoffs at some point um yeah a bit of a lateral move joe's just n- never really lived up to the hype of of being a 10th overall pick and you know you could say that the you know there, there there's some meat on the bone as far as saying the Avalanche rushed him a little bit there too when when the when the days were super bleak there when they uh, when they first drafted him and were looking for a bit of a jump because obviously he's been there since before Nathan McKinnon got there. Um, Sturm is obviously a guy that's going to come in and and he's helping him win faceoffs and kill penalties, which has been a you know bit of a black mark on on. Uh, a season that is currently seeing the Avalanche in first place, the overall in the in the NHL, where they're, you know, I am, I mean, this is the thing I don't like about the the. There's a lot of anti-Avalanche takes out there for some reason. I, I don't necessarily get them. Like you know, Paul Bissonette has been one of the the drivers for this, and obviously up here in the uh, in the you know in the north where we live, uh, you know, there's the the Calgary takes are. are, are heavy and hard right now uh as to them being over the avalanche but uh i mean like it's it's a lot of it is the old school like oh you know the avalanche got pushed around last year and they did this and they did that i'm just like god if you're gonna say that the avalanche are gonna get beat in the playoffs at least have a real take like talk about how they can't win face-offs in big moments talk about how their special teams is not that great and it's like it's not that hard (laughs) like just like just like like have real takes don't just say it's very much overly reductive and here's the thing if you look Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. 24 months ago, they were the team that everyone said, this team's never going to get in the playoffs. Look, they just got swept by Columbus. Can you believe yeah, it? Yeah, out of nowhere. After they being up 3 nothing in the blink of an eye <laughs> game one, right? Yeah. They have won eight consecutive playoff series since that happened. Now, yeah. some of the cast of characters, to be clear, has changed a little bit. But let's be honest, they just play a little better and got a few breaks and all of a sudden they win the Stanley Cup twice, twice in a row. Yeah. So it's, it's the same. And like anytime you hear, well, oh, this team's never going to break through in the playoffs. That team's never going to break through in the playoffs. They might like, don't rule mm-hmm. it out just because you think they don't have it. If you, if you want to rule the team out based on talent, feel free and feel free to explain that. But well, this team's talented. They just can't get it done in the playoffs. It's weird how a lot of teams that were talented and can't get it done in the playoffs all of a sudden get it done in the playoffs sometimes. Now, sometimes they don't, yeah. but it is um, just find a 
more constructive take than that. Yeah, well. that's what I'm saying. Like, talk about their talk about how they can't win faceoffs in big spots. Talk about how their penalty kill and their special teams are mediocre at best, and you know, and probably should be better. Especially the power play. There's, I, I don't get how the Avalanche have a bad power play. They keep doing that stupid. Does did the Leafs do this? I like, I, I, I don't really like. I watch the Leafs, but I don't pay attention as as intently as I do. Do they do that stupid drop back pass to try to gain the zone on a power play? I really hate that <laughs> the Avalanche do yeah. that, but. Uh, they 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 did it a lot last year. They've gotten no, they still do it a little bit, but not nearly as much. And this year's power play obviously is first, and last year's was an absolute tire fire. So yeah, I'm like it's the right decision, you know. Yeah, I, the thing I, I, I don't, don't like about that drop pass is for a while analytically, like you know, some of the, the the analytics people are like, oh wow, this is great for zone entries, and look how great this is, and. Yeah, when only some of the teams were doing it, I'm sure it was. But now that all the teams are doing it, we're practicing against it all the time, less good. So yeah, it's, everybody just stacks all five of their guys against the line, against the blue line, right? And then yeah. you you can't get in. And but and yeah. if you don't, and if you don't get in, they stick check you and you go offside. And right, and it's like yeah, there's all. So here's what I'd say: do what the Leafs are doing. Which oh yeah, sometimes we use this, sometimes we don't. You know, like it just yeah. you know be like uh, switch it up a little. Bit. So anyway. So, yeah, yeah. so on the calendar, we're, sorry, go ahead. We're, we're, I think the, 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 the Joe's thing was fine. Mm -hmm. Um, it, um, is, I I think it's just lateral, right? Like it's a lateral move for both teams. Yeah. It's lateral for 21, 22. It's lateral. They cut some cap space, which they use to go get, I suppose, like, or Cogliano, Mm -hmm. whichever one you want. Um, so they did that fine, but I just, like the team that gets the upside in this trade is not Colorado. No. Yeah. It's probably Minnesota, but I, I mean, like, like it it's... depends on what you think tight ghost might. And that is that to be clear is a bit of a divisive topic in hockey circles. Some people think that Jost has been underused by Colorado and not getting enough offensive minutes and, and so forth. Others, and I tend to lean more this way than the previous way, have said, well, you know, I know he's on a team with a bunch of good players, but he hasn't, he hasn't exactly earned those offensive minutes. He's fine, but is this something that Colorado's going to rue in two or three years? I, I think that's less likely than the option of, Minnesota gets a nice bottom six guy for a little bit, and that's fine for Colorado if that's what they gave up to get Sturm. Yeah, it certainly looks like he's going to be a career bottom six guy who might bounce from team to team for a little bit there, right? Like, which yeah. is you and, know. And look, there are guys in their careers like him who are highly drafted. They look that way, and then all of a sudden they have a bit of a breakout mm-hmm. or things are. They get some minutes on a bad team, and they put up some big numbers. I don't know if Joe's will do those things. It's possible. So, like I said, if you're Minnesota, you make that deal 10 times out of 10 because your cap space wasn't as precious. You weren't, weren't as close to the cap as Colorado. And you're thinking to yourself, hey, this like we're kind of like treading water this year, and we have a little bit of upside in years to come. So, great. Let's make the deal, see what happens. If you're Colorado, you save $1.25 million in the cap. Uh, you get a player that uh, probably – of relatively similar abilities with Sturm and uh, you move along. So yeah, it sucks to lose a guy you picked in the top 10, but uh, sometimes uh, that's the point of, uh, I don't even know if selling high is the right word, but uh, uh, getting out while well, the getting's good. Yeah. So then we get up to March 16th on the calendar, Craig, and this is where things start to get a little freaky deaky. Uh, the flames, we, we mentioned they add Kelly Arncroft, 
a, a you know, they, they gave up a, a second, a third, and a seventh. So a few nice draft picks to Seattle, who Seattle's just, man, I, I, looking at their cap-friendly page and the amount of draft picks that they've got over the next couple of years, this is a team that, uh, you know, if they draft well over the next couple of, couple of years, might have uh, something, go, like, should hopefully have something going for them, which will be good because we don't want this thing to end up. Here's we, we, what like, I Yeah. You know, I think that if, if I'm Seattle, I'm thinking to myself, because you've got some guys that are good players that you've signed in the short term here. If I'm Seattle, I'm thinking to myself, hey, if something goes wrong in the playoffs for someone and some team thinks, uh, you know what, it's time to blow it up and they're willing to trade a high-end offensive player, if you're the Seattle Kraken, mm-hmm. oh boy, do you have you've got the to picks. offer, don't you? Yeah, you've got the picks you've for got sure. Four seconds this year, three seconds next year. Um, you got a, you got uh, three fourths this year. You got all this stuff that you can turn. Oh, and obviously players in your roster. If if someone says, okay, we've got a distressed, you know, a, a superstar that we want to move on from, or a high level offensive player that could be available this summer, depending on how the playoffs go here. Seattle's in, and they have got, got cap space too. They're in an excellent position to go get a guy like that. Excellent position. So, Absolutely. They're yeah, like obviously they're gonna try to draft well because of course they will, but uh, they've got a couple different ways they can go. Now I don't think that Seattle has handled this particularly well from the perspective of team building. No, uh, going back to the expansion draft. And I was tweeting. The first example is the Washington pick, where they pick Vitek Vanacek and trade him back to the Capitals for a second. Meantime, Brendan Dillon was available, who the Capitals traded to Winnipeg for two seconds. So you already have to your value right there. Uh, the other one was the Leafs gave up less to get Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell. Then the Flames were willing to pay Seattle to not take Mark Giordano in the expansion draft. They were demanding two firsts. Calgary offered a first. Jeez. I think looking back on things, hindsight being what it is, perhaps the Kraken would like to like a do-over on that particular decision. Yeah, but it's. They don't get that. I understand they wanted a, a a guy that they could say is the captain and all that stuff, and they maybe had dreams of doing what Vegas did, not going to the final, but just being a little more competitive in year one. And and, and Chris Dreger and, and and Phil Grubauer have sort of combined to submarine those dreams. Oh, but there uh, was about a there were more three or four different articles at the beginning of the year that I read that had Seattle Kraken as like when they were ranking like goaltending tandems, they had Seattle Kraken ranked one. I read more than one outlet with, with that take that the Seattle Kraken had the best goaltending tandems going into the 2021, 2022 season. Well, this just season. shows you how, like how ridiculous goaltending is. Yeah. And they have been abysmal. Yeah. They've been, they've, they've had the worst goaltending that we've seen in several years, as far as just mm-hmm. the straight up numbers go. Yeah. So, and that's just sunk their season. Now they haven't been particularly good at anything else either. We all sort of knew they'd have a hard time putting the puck in the net. But their issue was, oh, yeah, we'll be able to sort of limit shots and suppress shots of the outside. We've got a, a good group of defensemen and some good defensive forwards, so we'll try to win some games 2-1, to 3-2 to two type of thing. It's very hard to do that when you're getting 890 goaltending. In fact, I'd say it's pretty much impossible to do that on a regular basis. Uh, either way, uh, Seattle has made the team building decisions they've had, but I like the return they got from Calgary for the Arncroft situation. They got the they got Florida second and the uh, Calgary's third and Calgary's fourth, like the, the third in 2023. But yeah, that's 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 a nice return for a player like Kelly Arncroft, who 
Uh, you took in the expansion draft, and to their credit, they turned an expansion draft pick into three draft picks. Good for them. Yeah, it's. I mean, at this point, we have to come out and say it that Ron Francis and the crack, and they had they had a bad expansion draft. They had a very bad expansion draft, and this being the Vegas Golden Knights 2.0, that ship has sailed. What we don't want to happen is to have this Seattle team where we very much enjoy this fan base. We very much enjoy the team name. The jerseys are great. Uh, you know, we want Seattle to succeed, I think. Not to, so that they can become obnoxious like Vegas, but probably so that they can become a little bit more like... Uh, sorry, not at all. Like, we don't want this to be a thrasher situation, basically, right? Where it's no, like... and I don't think it will... Mm-hmm. From a couple of reasons. One, this ownership group seems to be willing to spend money on the team. Helpful. Two, I don't think we're going to lose a season to a lockout. That was pretty significant when it came to the Thrasher situation. Yeah. And three, um, I just, I don't think the league's going to let it go down that way. Uh, from the, like, there's, like, I, I think that they'll just. Oh, are you talking ping pong ball fixing here, Craig? Or? No, no, I'm talking. <laughs> They know who owns this team. They're not going to let it get sold to someone who doesn't have any money, like what happened with the Thrashers. It's just going to mm-hmm. be, they're going to be smart about that. I, like, Here's the thing, too. They'll have probably somewhere in the top three when it comes to likelihoods of, of getting the first overall pick. But if they're picking in the top two or three of this draft, they'll get a guy that you can build around. You add that to the their pick uh, this past year. And oh man, the the guy's name oh Matt, Matty Berniers, um, and and all of a sudden you got two young players you can build around, and maybe those aren't stars, but those are good players. You throw that into all the other draft picks you already got. Maybe you can find someone else who's good. You've got some decent veterans on the team from the perspective of Eberly and Gord and Schwartz. Like these are these are decent players. Plus next year at the trade deadline, if you're bad again, there's some more moves you can make. Maybe you can do an Adam Larson thing next year, a Carson Susie thing next year. You'll be able to continue to replenish the. Uh, Replenish the draft pick stock, I would suspect. A team that will not be able to replenish their draft pick stock, the Florida Panthers, Craig, because on March 16th, they made a hell of a move acquiring Ben Sherratt, a guy who... Is there a guy who the analytics versus old school... Is there a guy who they debate about more than Ben Sherratt? Like like the analytics versus the old school hockey guys? In this current moment of our lives, no. But Jack Johnson was the ultimate battleground there. But the yeah. old school people, the old school people have since relented and realized that. Yeah, okay, they've receded to the night on that one yeah. for sure. And yeah. and Jack yeah. Johnson, who's you know been okay for the Avalanche this year, he's had, I would say. He's had a, he had a bad career. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's he's had a decent career. It just yeah. like when the Pittsburgh Penguins gave him a five year contract. That decision was routinely blasted by the analytics community, and a couple of years later, all of a sudden, that contract gets bought out. When yeah. he got traded for Jeff Carter, essentially straight up, a lot of people really gave it to the Blue Jackets for that, and understandably so. It didn't work out very well. So, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, just over the years, that was sort of the the, the prime battle. But this particular season. Uh, Sherratt has been the battle zone. I will say this, and I've seen the analytics community for the most part say the following, and I tend to agree. Is Ben Sherratt as bad as his numbers this year say? No. Because his numbers this year say he's essentially the worst defenseman in the NHL. Yeah, and that's and I don't think that ben not Sherratt true. No. Is the worst. Yeah, I don't think Ben Sherratt is the worst defenseman in the NHL. But giving up 
an unprotected first to get this player. Whew. That is, oof, that's a lot. Plus, you add on a prospect. Like, if if he is one of your three best defensemen, that's a real problem. And I understand people say, well, he was in the top four for that Montreal team that made it to the final. Uh, they were routinely outscored when he was on the ice. Like, they were yeah. winning because of the minutes that Sherratt was sitting on the bench. And I understand that he was going up against a lot of the best guys, but... For the first three rounds, Price is putting up a 9.30, and Montreal's still getting outscored when he's on the ice? Ugh. Like, I just don't think the 2021 playoffs are some sort of silver bullet in the Ben Sherratt analytics conversation. Either way, Florida paid way more than they should have to get this player, but apparently that was the going rate to go get a Ben Sherratt. Yeah, I mean, the Habs never relented. It, it For a good month there, it was no, Ben Sherratt for a first, right? Like, he's like, we're getting a first if we're moving this guy. I which think, I think if, if I'm going to find a winner for this deadline, it's either Kent Johnson or Pat Verbeek. It was one of those two guys. Because they yeah. both made a lot of good trades, a lot of good pieces for their teams. Yeah, the Habs, the Habs had a very good deadline, I would say. But it was just like, yeah, it was just... You get a boatload for Defoe, great. You get a boatload for Sherratt, great. You go into the day saying, and we'll get to the Lekkonen thing in a second. You're not going to move him. Mm-hmm. You move him, and you get a nice return for him. You get a second-round yes. pick for Brad Kulak. Like, and Kulak's a decent player. I like Kulak. But, like, you know, Kent, John, Kent uh, uh, um, geez. Kent Hughes had a nice deadline Kent, for Montreal. Nice deadline. Yeah, he, he really did. And it, but it was even more stunning because it was two days after the Avalanche got Josh Manson for a second. So, and Manson, yep. who's had much better numbers well, than Sherratt, and they still get the first, like, so. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing, people. Well, they want a tough playoff-like guy, so that's why they paid more for Sherratt. Like, what, is, what do you think Josh Manson is? Like, yeah. you know, has anyone ever said, oh, Josh Manson's a little soft in the corners. Like, that's, <laughs> no one's ever said that. Um, yeah, he, it's just, the... he, he does all the things Sherratt does, and then he does all the other stuff better. So, yeah, but uh, no, but Josh Manson it, it, didn't make a run to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. That's and that's, that's literally the, the and that's the difference, right? Which whereas, is the case that yeah, the the old school guys will make. Yeah, because if you go to it, if you you're probably done because you go into a time machine and put Josh Manson on that Montreal team as opposed to Ben Sherratt, like they're not worse, you know? No, they're, like they're yeah. they're they're moving one way and it's not down. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so that's certainly something to, to consider. The, the, Manson had a little bit of control over the situation. He had a 12-team no-trade, and uh, the Leafs, Flames, and Oilers were all on it. Um, and he wasn't willing to wave to go to some of those places. And there are other places uh, sort of on the East Coast that he, like, I don't know the exact teams that were on his 12-team no-trade, but I would suspect it was the Rangers, Florida, Tampa. Like, the guy clearly wanted to stay in the Western United States. That's where he wanted to play. Mm-hmm. So that gave Colorado a nice little advantage from the perspective of them uh, them being able to say, yeah, we're not giving you a first because we have a pretty good inkling that you're not going to be able to send him anyplace else. Or at the very least, the other teams that he's willing to go to are not willing to give you the equivalent of a second in Drew Hellison. So therefore, you're going to take that package, and that's fine. Like, it's not a bad package, but you're going to take that because we know that your other options aren't going to be as good because your other options are limited. So with Sherratt, no such concerns existed when it came to clauses or anything along those lines they could have traded him wherever they wanted and florida stepped up and paid a really really significant price and now ben Chirot plays for the florida panthers and that unprotected first 
again, it's probably going to be somewhere in the mid-20s. Florida's got a good team, young team, bunch of good players. But sometimes teams just have the season from hell where everything goes wrong and a bunch of stuff goes bad. Vegas. And if that happens to Florida next year, yeah. Like, yeah, Vegas this year might be the example of that. And ironically, they have a they, their first-round pick is gone, but they have a protection on it. Good for them. Uh, which I'm still stunned that Buffalo was willing to do, by the way. If I were the Sabres, I'd have been like, no, we're giving you Jack Eichel. No yeah, exactly, right? Like, we're giving you Eichel. Um, Bleep off with your with your protection. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, if you're if you're Vegas looking back on that, you're like, well, it's a good thing we did that. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's true. But, like, you, know, you, have, like, you know, the ping pong balls aren't very likely for you, but they exist. Um, either way, uh, that, that unprotected pick, again, probably going to be somewhere in the 20s. But if you're Montreal, you're like, that's a nice little lottery ticket for us. That's a nice thing that uh, that hypothetically could go pretty well for us. So there you go. So after the crazy March 16th where we see Ben Schrock get moved for a first, we move up a couple of days. And I would say this was the closest to uh, us. Not, not quite. It wasn't full out of nowhere like the Mantha thing you mentioned was last year. But the Lightning getting Brandon Hagel for a couple of fourth-round picks from Chicago – and uh, some conditional firsts. Two, what was it? It was two firsts, two fourths, and then a couple of uh, Radish and, oh, God, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Boris something. I can't remember it. But, like, anyway, it was two prospects. Boris two. F- yes, thank you, yeah. Boris Kachuk. And, and Kachuk and Radish are, to me, they're, they're NHL players. Like, the, these guys yes. are, are, are middle, uh, I shouldn't say middle six. These are bottom six. Like, these might be third-line NHL players. So Chicago gets two signed third line caliber ish guys, at least on Chicago, maybe second line caliber ish guys with term signed to cheap deals and two first round picks for Brandon Hagel. Yeah. <laughs> nice work. If you get it. Yeah. That, like it, it, it's, it's one of those kind of, I, I, it's, I, this is a trade that works out for both teams, right? Cause if you're the Panthers or sorry, if you're the lightning, the hell do you want with draft picks right now? Right. You're trying to three repeat. Like, like first, first mm-hmm. round picks are, are nothing for you. So you go ahead, you bring in Brandon Hagel, who's your classic, like, let's win it for this guy, <laughs> you know, mot- motivation sort of, sort of move there. And he's also a damn good hockey player. I mean, you look at the Lightning's like third line now and you're like, Jesus, my God, Brandon Hagel's going to be facing like third line defenders and whatnot. And it's yeah. like, Whoa. well, I think that you're going to have Hagel and Paul and whoever else those two guys play with mm-hmm. do what the other. Do what, um, do what Coleman, Gord, and Goodrow did for the yeah, last two years, which is, okay, we're going to go out against the other team's best guys. Yeah, for know? sure. Trying to recreate that in the aggregate. So, yeah, yeah they're going to be sending those guys out against uh, Austin Matthews, probably, yeah. right, in the first or, round. It's looking uh, like. Yeah, but like whoever, whoever it is that's the other team's top guy, that's who's going to see a steady diet of those players. Now, Brandon Hagel is probably, and when I say probably, I mean certainly, he is not going to shoot 22% the rest of his career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's shooting right now. But he's a nice player that tilts the ice the right way. Tampa Bay is aware of that, and they uh, have decided they're going to go all all in. Here was the part of that trade that I thought was fascinating. Tampa Bay did not send Chicago their 2022 first. Their 2022 first, we know that's going to be somewhere in the high 20s. Chicago got the 2023 and 2024 first round picks. So when you're talking about from the Chicago perspective, 
trying to get some upside with these picks and hope that you can find them in the teens or or something along those lines as opposed to in the late 20s. Hey, yeah, let's push that out. We don't want your pick this year. We know that's in the 20s, but maybe we can get it in the teens in 2023 or the teens in 2024. So Tampa Bay, older roster. It's a little bit different than Florida situation. There is a, a better chance they have a fall off season. Now, Florida didn't protect their pick. Tampa Bay did. Their picks were both top 10 protected. But uh, if something goes wrong in 2024 and 2025, uh, the, that first round pick rolls over. So we'll see what winds up happening with those future picks. But the further out you send out those first round picks, the more gambling you're doing. Um, Tampa Bay feels that, hey, this is worth the gamble. I don't disagree. But uh, from a Chicago perspective, great deal. Yeah, it's it's just classic lightning where they're just, you know, getting to just beefing up that third line for exactly the, the scenario that you suggested, going up against the other team's top line and maybe putting the puck in it a little bit. And, yeah, because Hagel's like a career 12% shooter, so he's he's added, you know, that extra. Like, he's, he's putting the puck in every fourth shot right now, which is unconscionable. And it, it, it's – but, like <laughs> – Tampa Bay, man, they just know how to put the shine on these guys and keep it on. So I have no doubt in my mind he's going to have some big moments for them in the playoffs this year. So on the timeline, we move ahead one day to the Saturday, which is the 19th. And this is where the biggest deadline acquisition kind of happened. The, 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 and a nice one that was uh, overshadowed but could have just as much significance. We'll get to the big one in a minute. But the Bruins add Hampus Lindholm from the Ducks. Uh, in exchange for more, and is it Vakinen or Hurl Vakinen? In, 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 in? It's the name of a lot of yeah, ends. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the long finish names. Moving along. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, they get Hampus Lindholm, which man, is he a is, is he ever a, a, a Bruins type of guy? I think, right? Like, it's just, it, it just feel he just he feels like a Bruin to me, and and he he's going to do a lot to bolster their back end, which has been a. Now, yeah, and very they, good. they signed to a nice deal. Yes, extended them. But I will say, yeah, I will say this. We've already seen a little bit of decline in Hampus Lindholm's game, just from a numeric perspective. Mm-hmm. And this contract starts when Hampus Lindholm is 29, which means it carries him until he's 37. There is some risk on this deal for the Bruins, but if you're the Bruins, you're thinking to yourself, how much longer do we have elite Marshawn and how much longer do we have Bergeron at all? So let's push the chips into the center. And if we have some crappy years of this contract in 2028, big deal. And that's yeah. exactly what they should be. Yeah, it's it's yeah. smart. And if, if, if there's anything that they've learned from the last two years in the playoffs is they got to get more depth at the back end. Right. Because that has severely hampered them once they you know, once they've been getting deeper into playoffs, which they have a couple of couple of times around but obviously on the saturday the big uh acquired player was the the big fish of this uh this year's trade deadline was claude Giroux, who finished his thousandth game with the flyers and was not immediate took a little bit but it eventually got done where Giroux and a couple other guys get uh, shipped out to fill it or shipped out to florida in exchange for uh first pick uh owen tippett a first round pick uh either 2024 or 2025 depending on how that goes and then a third rounder so a, a, a 
uh, a decent but reported somewhat less than optimal return for Giroux, if you believe what some of the people were saying. And, and there's been a lot of... Uh, I don't a lot of talking out of both sides of the mouths as far as how involved the Colorado Avalanche were on this because for the several months leading up to this trade deadline it it seemed like a lot of people were talking about this as a fait accompli that Giroux was going to be on the Avalanche he had the no trade clause he was only willing to uh, to waive it to go to Colorado and then it was okay maybe Boston's in on this and then now probably not Boston and then maybe the Rangers are in on this but then it's like no the the Flyers aren't going to trade into the Rangers because that would be sacrilege and then Florida emerged, and it was like, okay, I guess you know Florida would make a lot of sense. They're in kind of the same type of situation as Colorado, where they're you know at the top of their conference, type of at the top of their conference, looking to push it all in. And but there, then there were also statements that it, you know there were there were statements that the Avalanche had a better uh, offer on the table. The the thing that they were talking, it seemed to be like a first overall pick in twenty twenty four. Uh, Justin Barron and then another piece like a, a roster player like uh, JT Comfer sort of a thing and then there were reports where it was like yeah Joe called him up and they, <laughs> they said no he only wants to go to Florida so he so he was out so I, I don't know what to believe as far as the reporting on how involved the Avalanche were in, in attempting to acquire Claude Giroux but yeah it was just strange because like I said for for a couple months there it looked like it, it like this was a done deal. All, all that had to happen was uh, Giroux needed to play his thousandth game with the with the Flyers, and then he was going to be on his way to Colorado. And then, uh, no, it was it was Florida all along. It looks like, and and they got a pretty damn good player to try to go the distance, Craig. Hmm. Um. Yeah. And this the the fact that they got Giroux for a first and Owen Tippett kind of makes up for the massive Sherrod overpay. You know. Yeah, that's um, true. A little bit. Uh, here's the thing. Clojure has the right because he negotiated a contract with the Philadelphia Flyers for which he had a full no trade clause. So he could decide if he was going to be traded and if if he was going to go at all, exactly where he was going to go. We've seen this happen before where, where, where guys say, hey, I'm only going to go to this team. And it worked in Colorado's favor with the Manson thing. Uh, but it did not work in their favor with the Giroux thing. And I don't really understand why he thought Florida was the spot. Uh, maybe he just wanted to stay in the eastern half of the country. Although I think that's he, honestly it, yeah. That, I, I think that's probably it, too. The fact that he said no to the Boston Bruins is interesting, just from a geographic perspective. But yeah. whatever, he made the decision. He wanted to be Florida. Fine. That's that, that, that's fantastic, Claude. Uh, and the Panthers, to their credit, said, look, we're going to give you a first in Owen Tippett. And Tippett, on uh, most teams, is, is playing you know, in the middle six somewhere right now. Uh, for us, he's an AHL because we get a lot of good forwards. And we're going to give you a first-round draft pick in 2024. We're not giving you literally anything else because we know that you don't have any options. You're either trading to us or you're not trading him. So the Flyers kind of gritted their teeth and did the deal from the reporting. Uh, but they just didn't really have a lot of choice. It was either that or don't trade him at all was what essentially the, the, the Flyer situation was. So there are some Flyer fans that are not thrilled with Giroux for kind of wrecking their leverage, but the guy wanted to go where the guy wanted to go, you know? Yeah, and it's not as if he wasn't a good soldier for the uh, for the Flyers for, like, pretty was. much a decade, right? So, yeah, I think I think when it came down to it, it was just, like, if, if it was Florida and Colorado in his head, I'm pretty sure it was just like, okay, these two teams 
kind of sort of have the same type of i mean like if you're looking at vegas right now the playoff odds are colorado one at plus 400 florida two at plus 500 so i mean you'd say that colorado theoretically and i cannot stress the word theoretically enough theoretically has an easier path in the west whereas the the east looks like a friggin' minefield right now of uh, just a bevy of of teams that could uh, potentially be lifting the trophy and Here's a, here's, it, here's a question that I've got for you just about this. Mm-hmm. We hear it with the Leafs. We hear it with Colorado. Oh, man, I cannot believe, you know, these guys never do well in the playoffs. So, we, yeah, we can't trust them until we actually see it. Yet the whole world is telling us the Florida Panthers are the Stanley Cup favorite. Yeah. The Florida Panthers <laughs> have a playoff series in approaching 30 years. Yep. 1996. Yep, last time they were in the Stanley Cup finals. And who did they lose to then? Colorado. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, in a series that, like, let's be honest, that should have been that should have been Colorado Pittsburgh. We were we were robbed, to be honest. Yeah, but that's the old clutch and grab John era, Van baby. Robbed us of what would have been an epic Stanley Cup final. Yeah, your John uh, Van Beverwijk slash slash the clutch and grab era, right? <laughs> yeah, Just... no, that's a, that's a good point too. If, if 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 like if we had to play hockey with like actual reasonable rules, the Pittsburgh Penguins would have steamrolled that stupid Florida team. Yeah. But who cares about the 1996 uh, Eastern Conference semifinal? Uh, yeah. And, and like, here's here's another reason why. I mean, they'll say that about the Leafs in, in the first round thing. You know, that's that's a, a little bit of a thing. But, like, you know, they'll take it over to the Avalanche and they'll be like, oh, man, that Avs team can't get out of the second round. Um, Craig, there are only two teams right now in the NHL who have made the second round of the playoffs in the past three years. Only two. Colorado was one of them. Nope, not the Vegas Golden Knights because they got bounced in uh, the first round by oh. in the in the bubble, right? I can't remember who it was, but yeah, they got yeah, bounced yeah. in the first round. The other team, Craig, New York Islanders, who they ain't going to be making the second round this year. So the only team that has a chance to keep a a the so basically when the playoffs start, the team with the longest active second round streak will be the Colorado Avalanche, uh, which has been used to deride the team. And their, uh, you know, their their playoff uh, success. So I uh, that is that is, I find that interesting. I, I the Islanders thing is is interesting too. But the other thing that people say with the Islanders, oh, that's a gritty team that gets it done in the playoff. People forget yeah. the Pittsburgh Penguins were feeding them their lunch in that series. They were yeah. just like they the Islanders barely had the puck, but Tristan Jari let in six from the blue line, and that was so it. awful. Yeah, he was yeah. so awful. Uh, but series. yeah, the idea. Well, the Islanders are a big te- a playoff tested team. The Pittsburgh Penguins speed, but we're speed bagging those guys, and their goaltending just absolutely sucked. But that's a different conversation for today. Yeah, I mean, it's just, but as far as the Giroux thing, I, like I don't think bought like Boston was probably out of it when he was deciding. I'm like, okay, if if it's between, if I'm leaving, it's not going to be Boston over Florida or Colorado. And then when it's it was there, he was. I think it was just the the difference between Colorado and Florida for him was just east coast and probably better weather right like less of a hassle to sure. to move probably yeah. would would be my ultimate thing or maybe he just flat out believes florida's the better team for all i know which you know is strange because florida's the type of team that could uh, they could regress next season and regress hard because i don't know how much you want to be uh relying on that goaltending for uh you know the foreseeable future so after that happens on the 29 or on the Saturday, we get to the Sunday where some stuff happens, some minor deals. You know, you're Robert Haggs, you're Travis Hamannix, et cetera, et cetera. But then your boys, Craig. Let's, uh, can we talk about the Hamannix thing for a second? Yeah, because we can talk about the Hamannix thing if you want. 
that's the worst deal of the day of the weekend. Like Monday, yeah, what Saturday, are the Monday, what are the Ottawa Senators doing going after Hamonic? They're giving up a third round pick to pay Travis Hamonic almost four million dollars of Eugene Melnick's money next year. What the hell? Yeah, like, I don't. When I saw when I I swear to God this is true. When I saw the trade, I thought that the Ottawa Senators had received a third round pick to take Travis Hamonic off Vancouver's hands. And I'm like, oh, okay. yeah, I understand why the Canucks are doing that. Okay. I, I, that kind of makes sense. They're, they're capped out and that's fine for Ottawa too. You buy a draft pick. Okay. Good for you. Uh, then I realized, wait a minute. No, the third round pick is going to the Canucks. Like that was, I don't know if maybe, yeah, that has to, be the most inexplicable deal because the Sherratt thing is at least like all right Florida thinks they were a tough defenseman away they think they're a cup team no one thinks that Travis Hammond is going to do anything for Ottawa that helps them no yeah I didn't I didn't understand that that one at all yeah yeah Uh, and despite the fact that there were a lot of uh, fantastic internet jokes about Travis Hammond traded to uh, Ottawa just after his friends with the convoy left uh, that (laughs) did but uh, yeah that that, (laughs) Uh, sadly, it's not going to make it worth it from the Senators' hockey perspective. And as someone pointed out, uh, I forget who it was, but there was a few viral tweets about it. Uh, if you w- go back and watch uh, old New York Islander games uh, on TSN, uh, you know who loved Travis Hamannick? Pierre Flip and Maguire. So oh. I don't know which of them is responsible for that, but that is a bad move. And I just understand how they convinced Eugene Melnick that spending $4 million of his money on Travis Hamannick next season is a good idea. Because that there's one thing to have a bad contract when you're a team that spends all the way to the cap. But when you're the Ottawa Senators and you're going to spend like $70 million next year, wasting, you know, the cap hit of 3.2 or whatever it is Hamannick has, like, woof, that's like, that's a lot. Like, that's a, that's a big bad contract problem. And you gave up a draft pick to voluntarily take on this problem. Yeah, it it definitely reeks of Pierre Maguire, and and this is a hockey guy, you know, kind of written all over it, doesn't it? And then Vancouver went ahead and just were like, well, what if we got Travis Dermott to replace ha- uh, Hamannick, right, yeah, from uh, sure. from your boys? So. Like, so, I think that the Leafs uh, had a night nice, made a nice deal. They got a third for Dermott. They had to clear some cap space. Good. The yeah. Canucks made a nice deal. They turned Travis Hamannick into Travis Dermott. That's that's really good business for the Canucks. So we look like someone in this triumvirate of trades must have done something really stupid if two of the teams are completely fine. And yeah, Ottawa did something very stupid. Yeah, that was that was quite silly. Sure. Uh but uh, yeah, before that, uh, well, some of the good deals. Let's talk about some of the good deals that happened on the on the Sunday. Uh, your boys went ahead and picked up uh, Giordano and Blackwell from from the Kraken for a couple of seconds and a third. So uh, just b- bolstering that defense, which has uh, been a consternation of of some of the uh, you know the hockey experts as to how far that defense could take the Leafs in 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 the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, uh, like Giordano is not Norris winning Mark Giordano, but no. he's a very, very, very good top four defenseman. So that helps. Uh, they will, in the playoffs, have a situation where they will have at least one of Riley, Giordano, or Muzzin on the ice at all at all times. Um, and last year against Montreal, things got real ugly when Muzzin got hurt. And yes. look, Muzzin's been banged up lately. Maybe he gets hurt again. But the Muzzin injury may have hurt the least more than Tavares' injury when it came to hey, wait a minute, like uh, when Riley and Brody aren't on the ice, we have a real situation on our hands. That was Toronto's problem. Um, that 
hopefully will not be a situation now because they've got a bunch of guys that can play the left side. Plus Sandine, who's hurt, but that, you know, he's a good player too. Um, they're four deep on both the left and the right side. Uh, Sandine and, and Muzzin are out right now, but uh, the, the sixth defense when they'll play in their next game, you would suspect, would be some combination of uh, Riley, Giordano, and Brody on the left side, and then Labushkin, Lilligren, and Hall on the right. That's fine. You know? Like, that's... That is fine. So, they're four deep uh, on both sides on defense, which is something that they really haven't had in a long time. Uh... And Blackwell, I think, is a really nice ad. Like, Blackwell's a nice player with a low cap hit, and the guy kills penalties. And the least penalty kill has been really, really good this year, but he fits their style perfectly from this aggressive speed type of penalty kill that they like to have. He's a guy that you can play sort of in a few different spots in the lineup. His most common line mate this year was Yanni Gord. His most common line mate last year was Artemi Panarin. This is a guy who's played with elite players before. Uh, so I think he's a fantastic ad. It's, it's, it's nice work by the front office to do this. I know people were freaking out about the goaltending. We'll get to that for our takeaways at the very end. But um, if you were going to go do hypothetically a Marc-Andre Fleury thing, you could never have done this deal with Seattle. You just didn't have the cap space to do both. So I would prefer betting on Jack Campbell as opposed to betting on Marc-Andre Fleury and then going to get Mark Giordano if I'm going to be making a decision as far as what the Leafs are doing here. But I'm uh, I'm excited about this. This is the best defense the Leafs have had in a long, long time, probably since the uh, the Cabriolet McCabe Brian Leach years. Yeah, since the yeah. Brian Leach years in, for uh, sure. Yeah, two, yeah, in 2000, uh, the 2004 playoffs, which uh, uh, obviously didn't go the way they had wanted. They had a lot of injury problems in that playoff. But uh, yeah, this is the best uh, the best group they've had since then. Uh, uh, it's the first time they've added a former Norris winner since then. You mentioned Mark Fleury, Mark Andre Fleury. So we move up ahead to today, which was the morning, and and one of the, the, the this was less shocking to me than, than the Hagel thing, but still a little bit out of left field. Uh, maybe from the cutoff man, just uh, just on the edge of left field, but not from full left field. But the Wild get Mark Andre Fleury from Blackhawks uh, for a uh, first round pick next year with some protections on it, but. I mean, Fleury is, this is going to be a guy who we're going to look at his career and I guess he's got, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, right? But, man, but I don't know. I don't, if, I don't even know probably about. Yeah, I just. Someone pointed something out. There's the thing is how the Minnesota Wild have never had a, fall, a Hall of Fame player since the franchise came back. Uh, but that ended today because at some point in his life, Marc-Andre Fleury will be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But I mean, Mark Andre Fleury is a is a wild. He he's going to be a like a weird debate when we talk when we're talking about like all time great goaltenders. I don't think he will. If you find me a guy with a Stanley Cup ring and a Vesna who's not in, then we can talk about whether Mark Andre Fleury is a weird Hall of Fame debate. No, I just well, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he's in. I just think uh, sorry, maybe not weird Hall of Fame. Weird all time debate is probably more what I'm going yeah. for here because it's just that's like fair. like you know, some people would have him somewhere in the in the like ba- like very late in the top ten. I don't yeah. think that's true. Yeah, there, there, there's something to, to that because there, there's a lot of really good stuff, obviously, and there's some not as good stuff. But yeah. to me, like you know, the, the, the Vesna last season, obviously, you know, oh, we want a Vesna 37 at 37. If there was any debate about the case, it's over there. Uh, but then you go back to just like the Vegas run alone. 
he was the star player on the expansion team that got to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Like, that. that's a big, big part of a Hall of Fame case, big, big part of a career legacy. Is it not that, oh, yeah, there was that expansion team that got to the Stanley Cup final. Who was the best guy on that team again? Yeah, the goalie, Mark andre Fleury, was fantastic in that playoff run. It's just you know? weird because it's like back, back-to-back back cup runs with the – with the Penguins, won one, lost one, both in yep. Game Sevens, if I remember correctly. So could have got, could have been two, could have been none. Um, yep. Lost his job to who was the first guy he lost his Matt job Martin. to, and that's the other thing is the fact that he's lost his job. Matt Martin, right? Lost his job to Matt Martin, who Matt is Matt Murray, sorry, who is borderline out of the league right now. Yeah, and he's then he left it as not played well. Yep, he's gone through waivers this year. Yep. And then is gone in an expansion draft to Vegas. Like, Pittsburgh is enough, like, where it's like, we got this Matt Martin guy. We don't need Mark andre out of here. Yeah, go ahead and claim they, him they, there, Vegas. They paid Vegas, they paid Vegas a second-round pick to take Flurry's contract in that expansion draft. To t- Yeah, to take him. And then, as you yeah. mentioned, in an in, in insane first year with the, with the Vegas Golden Knights and his and is you know has a pretty good career with the Golden Knights, and then last year wins the he Vesna. He loses his job to Robin Leonard. At, at yeah, remember they, they went out and got Robin Leonard before one of their playoff runs, uh, before the bubble one because they were a little bit uh, a little Concerned. bit skittish on how was playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Leonard winds up staying in Vegas, and they're like, okay, we're gonna have to you know trade one of these guys at some point this year. Flurry goes yeah. out and wins the Vesna Trophy. And then they decide in the playoffs, ah, no, we're going to go with Leonard uh, later in that series against Montreal. Flurry had a couple of puck handling mishaps. So yeah, yeah and Leonard Leonard played a couple of games now. against the Avalanche too in that series because because uh, he he yeah. let in a horrible game in like uh, game goal in game four I think it was where it sawed like over his shoulder and then there, yeah and then he fell apart in Habs series uh, including one of the all time playoff bungles in game three. Uh, that ended up costing uh, co- costing the uh, the Knights game three in Montreal, and yeah, just just a weird weird career, <laughs> just overall definitely a Hall of Fame career, but also just just weird, <laughs> like very weird. And then there's this year in Chicago where he hasn't been great, well, but everybody's still talking about. I have a hard to, like you know that that Blackhawks team sucks. Yeah, they're very bad. And going through one of the all-time like media scrutinies in sports right now. I mean, it's been a bit quiet recently. I'm a little upset about that, but you know, it is what it is. And but amongst all of it, he's been. But it, yeah, it's just just strange. But yeah, now he's now he's on the Minnesota Wild, and I it will most likely be their starting goaltender for what Minnesota is hoping is a deep playoff run, right? Like just yeah, wild stuff. Uh, and and who knows. Like maybe he goes to Minnesota, goes on some sort of crazy playoff heater. I think that's less likely, but uh, I get why the Wild wanted to try to win a couple of rounds this year because mm. they've got uh, they've because got their only got shot got for a couple of years. Yep. <laughs> they've got salary cap Armageddon uh, banging down their door, and it's not going to be pretty. And they're going to have some awkward and difficult decisions this summer, which is one of the reasons I I was surprised that they traded Capo Kakinen to San Jose. Yes. I'm like, oh yeah, you guys, you guys are going to need cheap goaltending next year. And now they won't have it. So, well, or at the very least, if they have cheap goaltending, they're going to be gambling as far as whether it's good goaltending or not. So I was surprised by that deal. But again, it was to make this year's team better because they thought that Jacob Middleton is, is going to help them. And I think he will. 
I think he's a, he's a decent player. So we'll see what this means for the Wild going forward. They're actually winning right now as we record this. They're uh, they're playing the Vegas Up Golden to nothing Knights. nothing on the Knights, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and Nicholas Delore, one of their uh, deadline acquisitions, has a goal in this game. So, oh, and Tyson Jones, we talked about earlier, has an assist in this game. So, oh, I believe that's his first uh, point. As well. a, uh, I believe that's his first I point in three is. games for the Wild. Yeah, so good for Tyson, yep. I guess. But so, I mean, yeah, yeah, good for him. I don't like seeing Minnesota uh, Wild have any success, way, but, um, you know. Well, uh, yeah, but isn't the funniest outcome of this year that Vegas misses the playoffs? Like, aren't you kind of cheering for them? Yeah, that would be funny. Uh, well, because the hubris of how they treated uh, the aforementioned Marc-Andre Fleury <laughs> yeah. this offseason, I think, is. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, yeah the. the Minnesota to win this game tonight because Vegas. Uh, either way, uh, we'll see sort of what uh, what, what happens here from Minnesota. But as I said, because of the the Parise and Suter buyouts, which uh, basically take uh, twelve million uh, or twelve and a half million, then fourteen and a half million, then fourteen and a half million off their salary cap the next three years. Uh, if the Minnesota Wild don't win around now, it's going to get real ugly real fast for them. So they're pushing, they're pushing in, trying to figure it out. Good for them. Yeah, and it looks like they're going to get the Blues in the first round. Actually, actually, it's pretty much uh, uh, that's pretty much that's yeah, one of the yeah, Western Conference yeah. matchups. That's a hard lock, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that might be the only. If you look through the West, the West standings right now, mm-hmm. uh, that might be the only one where you're like, oh, this is a hard lock. And even in yeah. the East standings, like maybe Boston catches the Leafs, maybe Florida falls back a little bit with with Ekblad out, and Tampa Bay gets them, or. Or the Leafs go on a heater. There's all sorts of different things that could happen in the East. Uh, but and you know the same thing with the with the Metropolitan, like Pittsburgh, New York, one mm-hmm. of those teams either goes on a heater has a hard time. Washington could catch them, or they could catch the Hurricanes. There's all sorts of stuff that could happen. But in the West, I just don't see any way that. Well, I shouldn't say that. Nashville is closer to uh, closer to Minnesota than I thought, but that St. Louis, Minnesota is the most likely first round matchup of the ones we can project. Put it that way. Yeah. It certainly seems like blues wild are basically playing the rest of the season for home ice in round one against each other. Right. That's, that's certainly what yeah, it looks like. Yeah. Now hypothetically, uh, hypothetically the predators could make a, could make mm-hmm. a run there at them. But yeah. The, the point stands that that might be Minnesota's matchup. Uh, Minnesota's avoided Colorado in round one, and they're avoiding Calgary in round one. We know those two things. So if that's the case, then good for them. So we got, um, you know, the, like the, the, the deadline the deadline day, there was a lot of small trades and stuff, some good ones here. Uh, you know, your, your Andrew Hammonds, your Johan, your Johan Larsons, but uh, what are the bigger ones of the day? Um, at pretty much the 11th hour, no less, Craig. Um, when it looked like Joe Sackick was going to sit, get another deadline out without necessarily, I guess that's not really fair. Cause he went and got, he went and got Manson. Right. But, uh, yeah, a lot of Avs fans were a little bit scarred at the whole, uh, Patrick Nemeth thing that happened last year where he acquired him at the deadline. And that was the only piece. And he actively sunk the avalanche in, in the playoffs, specifically in that Vegas series where he, he might as he might've been a mole for all I know. Um, Arturi Lekkinen from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for a second, and Justin Barron, who I man, I'm I'm I think that Justin Barron's going to be a beast. 
I think he is absolutely going to be a beast. I was upset when they traded him. Um, he had the pedigree coming out of coming out of uh, you know the, the minor leagues, and the only reason he fell to the Avalanche at 25th in that draft is because of the blood clot issue, right? Like that's he he would have gone. He probably would have been a top 10 pick in that draft if not for and, and maybe even top five, right? For if if not for that yeah, blood clot issue. It, it it I just I, I think he's going to be a beast in this league, and I think the Habs got a real good one there. And mm-hmm. uh, but Arturi Lekkinen, man, his numbers, his hit, like I was looking at like Jay Fresh it's on Twitter put up, yeah, he's on a bad team, and the numbers still look good. Yeah, exactly. He he is a darling, and he's going to be getting third. He's going to be going up against third line opponents. He's going to be uh, for the Avalanche, right? Because it looks like he's going to be on a third line with Alex Newhook, and if him and Newhook just like. Like, 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 Newhook is a hair away from being just an absolute monster in this league, Craig. A lot of posts with uh, Alex Newhook, and those are going to start going in soon. And, and man, if he, if he goes on, like, a weird playoff run and Lekkanen behind him, and Lekkanen didn't score a ton, but scored the big goal of the, of the season last year for Montreal during that playoff run when he put away the, put away the Golden Knights, so... Uh, yeah, it's he's, yeah. he's a nice player, and and, yeah. and here's the thing. And look, Colorado paid a steep price here, but let's yeah. remember this about Arturi Lekkinen. He is not unrestricted at the end of the year. He's a restricted free agent. So Colorado will have one of two options this summer. One, they've got cap space. They can't go hog wild because they've got some people to pay in the years to come here. But they've got mm-hmm. some salary cap money that they can spend this summer. So maybe you bring back Arturi Lekkinen. I know he's got arbitration rights, but you can find a way to do that. So that's option one. Option two is you can trade Arturi Lekin in again, and you're yeah. not going to get a guy like Barron back. But no, but get you get that stuff. second round pick back probably. Yeah, yeah, you, get, yeah. you get some stuff, or maybe you get like a younger player that's a little bit cheaper that you can slot into the lineup um, once you know the the McKinnon sweetheart deal comes to a close. You, mm-hmm. you know the season after. So there's there's things you can do there. Is the moral of the story? Uh, so. I, I get why they paid the big price because they wanted it. They wanted the guy for this playoff run. And then after that, we'll see, they still got some flexibility. They did not pay for one playoff run of Arturi Lekkanen, this massive price. That would have been, I think highly something you could have scrutinized pretty well, but they've got mm-hmm. multiple years because of this. So I think it's, I think it's a fine deal for Colorado and it's a fine deal for Montreal too. Yeah. It, it's it, another Montreal works. going to be good. Montreal's never going to be good when Lekkanen is still, you know, a guy that you're going to want on your team pretty badly. Right. And Montreal, for a team that's bad, has a lot of contracts to wingers that they're not going to be able to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So signing Lekkanen to a big money deal this summer, probably not advisable. So they decide they're not going to do that. They're going to trade him. They're going to get uh, some draft capital and get a nice prospect. Good decision, I think, by Montreal and good decision by Colorado. Yeah, and one of the telling signs is when you check the fans and how the fans react to a guy and on Twitter, I mean, and you could say the Habs have probably the second loudest hockey fan base on Twitter. And they, I, I just absolutely overwhelming positive, nothing but positive things to say about Oturi Lekin and, you know, saying stuff like he never takes a play off, plays 200 feet, et cetera, et cetera. We loved him. Wish he could stay with the team forever. Like when fan bases are saying stuff like that, you know, you got a good one, right? Like there's no, there, there wasn't a single Habs fan going like, I does this or does that and takes too many penalties, blah, blah, blah. Glad to see him go screw him. Right. You know, like that, none of that was being said. So that's 
kind of way. Yeah, no, he's a nice player. Going. Yeah, and I think that, and the Habs, who definitely need defensive help going forward. I think Barron's going to be a beast. I really do because I was staring at like that. Uh, yeah, he might. Yeah, he'll be playing in Montreal, and I think that Kent Hughes may have said this. He'll be playing in Montreal in relative short order. Oh, you think he's? Does he hit the ice this like, season? That's that. That's something that was being talked about in the media today, and that I think that they are of the belief that's going. Like Montreal's out of players. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> fair. But like, you know, wouldn't, like, wouldn't they burn like in? All these... would, would they burn no, a year of his entry? Or no, you can if he plays less than nine games, you can slide it. Oh, have at it then, right? Yeah, yeah. Have at have, bring him in yeah, when you got just, nine games just, left oh, or sorry, whatever. Yeah, plays less than ten. I should say plays less than ten. Uh, I'm just checking the to to be sure about that with the clauses on the contract right now. And uh, by the way, I, I, I should well, while I'm checking that, I should sit, correct something we said with Drew Hellison. He's already signed with Anaheim, but his contract doesn't start until. Uh, September, so he's not going to be playing with them this year, but he'll be there next year, obviously, which is not an yeah. option that Colorado had. Absolutely. Uh, no. uh, Baron, Baron, Baron. Yeah, he's got an entry-level slide, so you can put him into your lineup this year if you are so inclined and and slide him to next year if that's something you want to do. So he's played two games with Colorado so far this year, so as long as if you're Montreal, you keep him to seven or less, you can play him in Montreal this season. I suspect they will. The uh, second biggest deal uh, of the deadline day, I would say, is the New York Rangers getting Andrew Kopp and a sixth from the Jets for a bunch of draft picks. Let me see a second and a fifth and Morgan Barron. It's it's uh, like Kopp is probably the second biggest needle mover that uh, that that moved today other than uh, Lekkinen. Um I mean, he's going to help the Rangers. I'm not exactly sure how real I think the New York Rangers are based on the fact that um, – you know, they've got Shesterkin uh, putting in a, a potential heart trophy season with uh, Dominic Hasek in the mid-90s-esque numbers there, right? So so I, I, I don't know. How yeah. real do you think the the Rangers are? I mean, with the goaltender, you always got a shot, right? They're as Shesterkin is. But they went yeah. out and got better. They, they go out and... and so they, they sure did, yes. They go out and get Braun. They go out and get Cop. Like, those are guys that are going to make a difference. Um, But, yeah, they're they're, like... If you're just looking at the quality of the entirety of the roster, they're clearly the eighth best playoff team in the East this season. But in a playoff series, I don't think anyone's going to be excited to play them. No, because every like, who knows? Who knows what Shesterkin's going to do? If he puts up nine fifty something, then you're not going to win. Yeah, they're they're the candidate for potentially doing what the Habs did last year, right? Where it's like, hey, this team isn't great on paper, but solid now, pieces here and there, and the this, goaltending. This team's a right? lot better than the 2021 Montreal team, to be clear. Fair, yeah, uh, fair, fair, fair. Uh, but yeah, like so, like look, look at it this way from this perspective: Are the Rangers one of the eight best teams in the East? Absolutely, they are. They deserve to be in the playoffs. Are the Rangers? Yeah. Like in the West, I think the Rangers would be a little bit in a better shape than they are right now. Right, yeah. like the East is just tougher. Like if you, like if I was picking, you know, who's going to win a playoff series if you have these teams play each other, like would I? I I'd pick Calgary to beat the Rangers, and I pick Colorado to beat the Rangers, and probably St. Louis. But beyond that, am I like loving anyone in the West against the Rangers in a seven-game series? Yeah, and the Rangers. I mean, there's and some the, jockeying the to do, but. In the East, in the meantime, like, yeah, you have to worry about Shesterkin, but I think I'd, t- I'd take them eighth. So mm-hmm. the East is just a different animal, you know? It's like, it Col- really is. I, put it this way Colorado, Calgary, and to a lesser extent, St. Louis would be competitive in the East, but beyond that, I don't know. 
Yeah. Like are the no, no, no. are the Los Angeles Kings this version of the Kings competitive in the East? This version of Edmonton competitive in the East? Like obviously they've got those elite guys, but I don't no, know. but why isn't Todd I, McClellan I, getting Coach of the Year buzz for what he's doing in L.A. right now? That's a good question. Like, that's weird that he's not even in the top five. And, then, like, Brandon Sutter I get, but Ger- Gerard Gallant getting, like, the second number of votes no, right now as, like, as Coach of the like, Year. Unless, unless you want to give points for saying, Igor, stop the puck tonight, like, then what are yeah. we doing here? Yeah, no, um, that's, that's a joke yeah. award. Um, yeah. Are there any other trade deadlines you want to any, any of the- uh, to, to me, To me, if... if 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 Sutter doesn't win, if Winter doesn't win, then that's that that to me is highly questionable. Because like this, for the most part, this is a this is a he took over this Calgary team towards the end of last year. But for the most part, this is a team that last year was a massive disappointment. He comes in, and yeah, they've made a couple of little additions, but this team is a lot better, a lot yeah. better. And you've got to kind of pull him as a reason why. Um, sorry, what was your question before I started? Well, I was gonna say any other any of the any other trades that you want to talk about that happened uh, earlier today. We we touched on kind of the big ones and a few of the, you know, we made fun of that Travis Habenick deal, which was funny. Uh, is there anything else that uh, you want to talk about or? Yeah, uh, let me look here. Uh, we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about Max Domi to Carolina. But That's true. I mean, does Max? I was going to say Max Domi. Does, is he a needle? No, he's not a needle mover at this point. And Carolina was the one team in the East that didn't get a guy who is going to significantly help them. Mm-hmm. Everybody else went out and got somebody. Pittsburgh went out and got Raquel. I guess Washington didn't do a ton, but Pittsburgh goes out and gets Raquel. The Rangers get Braun and the Rangers get Cop. The Leafs get Giordano and Blackwell. Florida got a bunch of guys. Boston yeah. goes out and gets Lindholm. Tampa Bay gets Paul Hagel. and they get and they get Hagel. We didn't hear a lot from the Hurricanes, which I find to be interesting. Yeah, uh, do they just think yeah. they're ready to go, or maybe? Yeah, that 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 must be it. Uh, the other one that I wanted to mention, just from a good wheeling and dealing perspective, the Detroit Red Wings gave up a second round pick and got off of. Uh, got off of half of Richard Panic's money yeah. to the cap for Islanders to go get uh, Nick Letty. They have since traded Nick Letty for that second round pick back a uh, different second round pick, obviously, but they get a second round pick out of it and they get Jake Wallman and uh, Oscar Sundquist for their troubles. And Sundquist is, is overpaid, but they'll be able to at next year's deadline, sell Sundquist at half retain and say, we've got a Stanley cup winning fourth line center here who wants them. And some team is going to give them a third. Mm-hmm. So I like I, I just think that Steve Eiserman, from the perspective of doing this on the edges, is is very good at doing things on the edges. They have yet to get their ping pong ball luck. Uh, we'll see if that happens here, but they will uh, likely have it with cider and whatnot. Right? Cider so. star. Like cider's going to win the like. Look, I, I love Michael Bunting. Fantastic story, but cider's probably going to wind up winning the Calder. You think so? I um, think because I think I think the Bunting uh, I think the Bunting thing is going to be too strong. And when it comes down to it, I think. Um, the voters are going to give just, him because of he, the twenty because of the twenty six years old thing. Yes, and because not just that. Well, like, was his face was twenty four last year? Oh, I know it's dumb. I, 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 I'm not saying it's not dumb, but here's the other reason they're going to discredit him. And this one, there's a little bit to it. Michael, who did you spend most playing of with your Matthews? Time? Yeah, playing Austin with Matthews. Matthews. Well, okay, yeah. like you know, like you know, you know but. Bunting has done the vast majority of his damage to even strength. That is something that I think is underrated here. He's not on the first power play unit, and he's still putting up these huge numbers. Again, 
Austin and Mitch are carrying a lot of the mail here. But Bunting has gone in there and put up better numbers than Zach Hyman ever did. And Zach Hyman just got a $35 million contract from the Edmonton Oilers. Now, the, that may not have yeah. been a viable choice, but yeah. Here's why I think here's why I think the uh, the Bunting's got an outside shot here because I think what might happen is Austin Matthews like the the Hart Trophy is going to come down to Matthews and Shesterkin uh, from where we're sitting right now and I don't see that changing too much in the next uh, month unless you know like a, unless like a Connor McDavid just goes on one of his insane Connor McDavid heaters and ends up you know winning the uh, you know taking the uh, the Art Ross right yeah. But I don't, I don't foresee that happening, if especially 60, if Matthew scores sixty and gets Selkie votes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm thinking, uh, but I'm thinking the voters are going to say, man, it might be a long time before we see a guy finish a, a goaltender finish a season near nine fifty, right? So this yes. is one of those all time. Can Shister can do that over the next twenty games? Can that save percentage stay there? If it does, and he wins, cool. Yeah. I'm not going to say one negative word about it but it would be somewhat strange that there have been years in the past where we've been all kind of looking at each other and scratching our heads oh, who, who's gonna win the heart trophy this year and two guys putting together all timer seasons are doing it in the same season because the yeah. years that Hashik won his heart trophies he deserved them. i'm not saying he didn't but like there no one was having a season of the quality of the one matthews is having right now yeah you know what i mean there wasn't that forward on a good team who was scoring 60 goals. And Oh, by the way, yeah, he got some Selkie votes too. You know what I mean? That wasn't happening, but Matthews has a chance to score those 60 goals and he's not going to win the Selkie, but he's going to get votes. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Matthews, if, if Matthews gets fro, like there might be some, Oh, I'm voting for Shesterkin, but I want to get a Leafs guy on there. So I'm going to vote for bunting for the Calder. So I think, I think that could happen for bunting where Maybe. it's like, yeah, like that that could be a narrative that sneaks in cuz a lot of these hockey awards are narrative, man. I, I, a lot of them are narrative. Red, Red Wings Twitter would be furious, but like Oh, Beer League would lose Bunch, it. going to score 30 goals. Like what do you want? Like people are going to yeah. vote for the guy. Like like and, and again, I I'd have no if someone says I'm voting for Sido, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. He's playing right shot defense on a lousy team and his numbers yeah. are good. Like yeah. fine. And he's funny fine like it's it's a completely reasonable vote i've got no problem with that but if someone says yeah i voted for michael bunting he scored 30 goals and almost all of them were at even strength like what? like you're supposed to just say fine to that too you know what i mean like it's a pretty reasonable argument yeah it's both yeah it's it's yeah it's exactly it's it's very i i don't think voting for any of the guys we've mentioned in either of those two categories is a wrong vote as we are currently sitting right now uh, so. here's, here's what i say is the wrong vote by the way I mean, I would and vote for Cider, them. and I am a and I am a yeah, staunched Red Wings hater, right? Like, uh, so I would vote for Cider. Here's, here's who will get votes, and I'm look at it and be like, "What the hell are we doing here?" Trevor Zegers has done some nice highlight stuff this year, and he's a nice player. I'm not. <laughs> That's it, though. Bad. The numbers are not there. He but just has he, a couple of nice is highlight he better, goals. Better than Michael Bunting this year? No. no. And as much as I want to say, well, Michael Bunting's 26. I don't like. He's eligible for it's, the award. Like, yeah, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, is eligible for the award. You call the NHL about that. You know, yeah, like that's no, like I don't. And as I a don't player, care. he's eligible for. It. So yeah, like if I, anything, I he should be a tail for people to keep living their dream. For God's sake, right? Like, yeah, and, like and don't give up. You can be the Calder Trophy winner, close to thirty. <laughs> I think there's room for conversation. I really do. When it mm. comes to 
well, wait, hold on a second. Do we need to have people who are in their mid to late 20s winning this award? Should we well, not change? Well, it happens in every other sport too, though, right? Like every the, the other sports do this every – well, not really not really football. It happens in baseball. Yeah, it happens in baseball. Yeah, like Ichiro Suzuki won a Rookie of the Year award at age 29 or whatever it was. And, like, and uh, what's his face for the White Sox? The boomer, the boomer, the Cuban boomer for the White Sox, whose name's escaping me, did uh, it, right? When he when he was 26. Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, those guys had never played in Major League Baseball anymore. And of all the players who had never played in Major League Baseball before, he had by far the best season. So what are we doing, you know? Football in, is a little bit different. And we, we rarely see that in basketball. Like, every now and then there's a European guy, but we rarely see it in basketball. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I have no Basketball's problem. Basketball's completely I different, think, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd have no problem with either the baseball folks or the hockey folks saying, okay, from now on, you got to be 23 younger to win this award. Like fine. Yeah. But as of right now, and they can't change it retroactively. So Michael Bunting is eligible for the award. And I think that voting him anything further down ballot than second would be um, a grave miscarriage of justice. No, it's a two horse race between Bunting and Cider period. And it's a shame. For my uh, Spencer Knight money, <laughs> I definitely took a flyer on at the beginning of the year. Uh, that has not happened, unfortunately. Sorry, I was I was talking about Bunting scoring thirty goals. He's not going to score thirty, but he'll be in the, you know the the mid to high twenties somewhere. Yeah, unless he goes. He'll be he'll be, he'll but, be sniffing thirty. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Bunting all the way. By the way, he plays fifteen minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a lot relative to some of the other people we're talking about here because again he doesn't get first power play minutes and unlike matthews and unlike marner uh or certainly unlike marner i should say who plays the most out of all the leaf forwards he doesn't kill penalties so uh, i don't know if people want to use that to take away from his case but on a on a points per minute basis he's absolutely smoking the competition it's not even close yeah well i think that's it um I think we pretty well covered it there. That's uh, that's pretty. We got it. Yeah, we're we're into the Michael Bunting talks. So... Did, you, did you see the drama with the Vegas and Anaheim trade? Uh, the Vegas and the oh the with the uh, the the Dadonov deal, right? Like, yeah, it's been unfolding since we started this podcast. So no, I obviously that because like that was a weird one in itself because like it, it didn't get reported until six o'clock, which was three four right. hours they after did it the deadline. Right very very and here's why here's the, the latest that we're getting on that but before so, you get into it i just want to say it was it was more of a like oh no you hate to see the knights go down the Dodonov. uh yeah i mean you know you're in trouble when you're going down the Dodonov. so i kind of laughed because i was like oh boy that's yeah. that, that's well, some duct tape that, right they, there they gave ottawa a third to yeah. get him in summer mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's, it's salary cap trouble time because of all the different things they've done. So they realize they're right up against it. And they're like, all right, okay, we've got to make a decision here. So we're going to send him to the Ducks for Ryan Kessler's dead contract. And we'll yeah, eat good for him still cashing checks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and we'll, give, uh, we'll, we'll give them a second for the privilege. Fine. Well, Evgeny Dadanov has a 10-team modified no-trades clause. And the, the clause in that contract says he's supposed to submit his 10-team modified no-trade clause for so the 10 teams that he cannot be traded to July 1st of every year. And he apparently did not do that properly, or at the very least, neither the Ducks, nor the NHL, nor the Vegas Golden Knights were aware of his 10-team no-trade list. Keep in mind, he would have submitted this while he was still a member of the Ottawa Senators. Now, 
this tr- list, apparently, the previous version of it, the last one we saw, had the Anaheim Ducks on it mm. as a team he could not be traded to, which is rare to see the Ducks on one of those lists, but here we are. Um, so he's saying, well, I can't be traded to the Ducks. And the Knights and the Ducks are saying, well, you didn't file your paperwork. And the NHL is saying, we, didn't, we had not seen anything about your no-trade list. So I don't know what you want from us. So this is going to be an awkward one. I have no idea. No idea how this turns out. So my guess is Dodonoff uh, ends up on the Ducks, and he's pretty pissed off about it. <laughs> right? That, that's, that's what it sounds like, right? More, that seems to be the most likely outcome, unless like the Ottawa Senators screwed up some paperwork and didn't pass along that no-trade list to the Vegas Golden Knights, and Evgeny uh, Dadunov's uh, agent didn't uh, or submitted it, and the Senators screwed it up, which, like, hey, if there was a team that's going to screw that up... Yeah. <laughs> Who else is it going to be? Like, so, Pierre. Um, I think I think that he winds up as a as a member of the Ducks, mm-hmm. but uh, um, I'm. Uh, it's just it, it's an awkward situation, and to me, this is something that's going to have to be addressed in future CBAs. Whereas, like, a team, if if a guy's got a modified ten team no trade, and he hasn't submitted his list, like a, like the league can give him like. You have 48 hours to submit this, otherwise it's void. Like, that, that that guy's agent gets a notice or something, because we can't have this again. So we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think but that's going to be it for us. Though, sorry, just my very last point. Yeah, so no, Golden go Knights, right ahead. The Golden Knights, uh, this is an admission that, oh man, we're in trouble here, because they're, mm-hmm. they're sending salary cap money out in order to try and... Uh, um, sort of maximize some regular season win likelihood. They did yeah. not think that was going to be an issue two months ago, but now it is. Yeah, because I mean, this this points to crap. We're going to have to bring because uh, they didn't bring anybody in with all that. No, that, th- th- uh... here's the uh, they didn't bring anybody in. Here's the thing about this. This is to not to bring Stone back because he's too expensive. This is to bring yeah. Alec Martinez back. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And while yeah. we're while or we're speaking, someone they... else get hurt, you bring Stone. But yeah, yeah. Well, while we're speaking, they just lost three nothing to the Minnesota Wild, so they now have a one point lead on the Dallas Stars for that last playoff spot in the West. But the Stars have four games Dallas, in hand, so the, the Stars have yeah. yeah, Stars got four cracks at winning one game right now. So See, it, it's and I, and I know this is not something that Vegas would have considered, but mm-hmm. uh, you look at their roster. And all the UFAs on the roster. And you look at Riley Smith and maybe, you know, Janmark, I guess. He's, he's on a one-year deal. And you look at some of the other guys that if you decided, yeah, we're sellers, you could have, like, really, really done well on. Mm-hmm. You could have, if I were in the Vegas front office, I would have been like, hey, what if we tried this deadline as sellers? Because, like, this is going to get worse before it gets better. This is just the season from hell from us. Everything's going bad. What if we tried this deadline as sellers to try to recoup some of the stuff we got, uh, we, we've given up over the years, and plus tank ourselves so we get into the top 10 of the draft so we keep our pick and we can send Buffalo a pick in the 20s next year? Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's definitely something to think about. Like, as of right now, that, they, they might send them like 11 right now, right? Yeah, un- unfortunately, none of the way that ownership group and whatnot wants to run their franchise is congruous with yeah. that uh, line of thinking, unfortunately. Because, hey, like, for them, it's been go get it, do whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
and if I'm a, if I'm a Golden Knights fan, I'm fine with that. To be clear, I'm like, okay, we have the most aggressive ownership group in the league. Let's go. Every time a big player is available, we're trying to get them. Like that would be fun and cool and good. Mm-hmm. But I, I just wonder if that conversation existed in that front office. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm very curious as, as to if that's true. It's uh, or as to if any of that was brought up. It had to have been like someone. Someone should have been at least said, "Hey, should we be sellers?" And then they'd have been like, "No." Right? Like, like yeah, all right. Moving that, on. That, that meme where that meme where the guy gets thrown out of the office window probably. Is <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, we're we're almost at an hour and a half, so we got we got to get out of here. Uh, crossover podcast available at the crossoverpodcast.com, facebook.com slash crossover podcast, and iTunes. Please rate and subscribe. Five stars only. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, and pretty much any podcatcher that you happen to listen to, you can find us on there. Uh, please rate and leave us a review on any of those. Five stars only, though. And uh, as always, you do not have to listen, but please download the crossover podcast. Uh, Craig, next time we talk to you is probably going to be next week because we got to talk about baseball as it is back so we got to do one of my favorite pods of the year the baseball uh, over unders podcast for every team god that's so much fun and i mean i'm looking at our toronto blue jays uh they are looking like they are going to be right now oh let me uh let me give it a little quick look. Uh, MLB win totals 2022. Quick Google sheet. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Where are you? Uh, Blue Jays, Blue Jays, Blue Jays. This is not an alphabetical order. 91. Oh, God. They that have the... They, they, won, ha- they, they won 91 have... last year playing 36 home games. Yeah, that is one, two, three, four, fifth highest total in the entire league, Craig. In the entire league, there are I only four teams. With... I thought you were going to say 95 or 96. That 91's an easy over. Yeah, that's going to be an easy over for me, too. Uh, we got uh, the, the teams uh, ahead of them. Chicago White Sox, 91-5. Astros and Yankees are both 92. And the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, 97 and a half, far and away the uh, the highest win total, which makes sense based on their their roster. Um, yeah, the Blue Jays are up there. So yeah, um, that, so we're gonna do the MLB podcast next week. Uh, this week we're gonna have one more podcast because I know I promised it last week, but we just couldn't get to it. Uh, we will be doing the Batman podcast for Matt Reeves' The Batman that came out. Have you been out to see that one yet, Craig? No, I'll get to it at some point. Oh, you definitely should. It's it's. I know it's long, but it's it's a, it's the good kind of long, and it's it's the freaking bat. It's just the freaking bat, right? Like he's so good. Um. All right. So uh, we're gonna get out of here. We'll be back uh, next week. Thanks for doing this, Craig. Take care, everybody. Good luck with your hockey teams going forward. Uh, good luck in life, and uh, may all your bets be winners. I guess I don't know. All right. Uh, take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time on the Crossover Park.